Exciting news at This Week Health. Starting May 16th, our keynote show is moving to Thursdays. Catch every episode weekly on our This Week Health conference channel. Don't miss conversations with top health system leaders designed to transform healthcare one connection at a time. Subscribe to This Week Health conference and stay updated every Thursday. Hello and welcome to This Week Health. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. This year marks our fifth year of making podcasts that amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. And over those years, we have grown in a lot of different ways. But one of the most significant ways we have changed is we've added new channels. We did that beginning in February of 2022, we launched This Week Health Community with the town hall show to amplify conversations among your peers, right? So these aren't shows that I do. These are shows where we get people from the industry, CMIOs, CIOs, CISOs, CTOs, you name it, who are interviewing their peers. And the goal was to have more in-depth conversations, pragmatic conversations about what was going on on the front lines. And after almost a year and more than 100 episodes with our host partners, I wanted to bring them together to hear what they have learned from these conversations. I know that for myself, I learned a ton doing this. I wish I had started this a decade ago because over the last five years through interviewing so many of you and the conversations that I've had, I've just learned just a massive amount over these 10 years. And I wanted to see you know, what they're picking up, what they're learning as they're having these conversations. Special thanks to our keynote show sponsors, Sirius Healthcare, VMware, Transparent, Press Ganey, Sempris and Veritas for choosing to invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. I'm really excited about this conversation. This is the inaugural year of the town hall show, and you guys have made it special. It is one of the podcasts I've told people, I said, should I binge listen to your other channels? I'm like, no, no, you should listen to this one because it's the one that I've been binge listening to because I'm picking up so much stuff. And I just want to thank you guys for being here. For those who are listening and not watching, we have the Brady Bunch style screen going right now. We have Linda Yang, Sue Shade, Mark Weissman, Reed Stefan, and Carla Arzola. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate you having us on. So here's what I'd love to do. I'd love to sort of go round robin real quick. We started this show and it was really about enabling you guys to do interviews with people on the front lines, people in your networks and have the same experience I had. When I talked to a lot of you, when you were first starting out, I said, I wish I'd done this when I was a CIO because I made so many connections. I was able to ask so many questions on a podcast that I wouldn't have been able to ask them. I don't think in any other format. So it worked out pretty well from that respect as well. Oh, and we have Lee Milligan joining us now. Now we've, we definitely have the uh, the Brady Bunch going or Hollywood Squares, depending on how old you are. So Lee, welcome. Hey guys, good um, to see y'all. Reed, give us a little insight. Who have you interviewed this year? And just give us a tidbit or two from some of the interviews you've done. Yeah, and maybe I'll even start like a step back from that and just kind of share the perspective of when you had this idea and approached me about it and the others and kind of wrapping my head around what this would look like. What's been rewarding for me is I think the organic kind of unpolished, just two people having a conversation element is what makes it work. And I think that what I've, what I've learned, or I guess relearned is just how giving, 
health IT leaders are with their being transparent, giving of their time. I've reached out to folks that I kind of casually knew, explained the premise, and they were all in right from the get-go. And I think as I look to the next year of continuing to do this, I think one of the things that's beneficial to the community is to have really authentic, pragmatic conversations, right? These aren't kind of white paper scripted dialogues, but like have people be vulnerable and share things that they thought were amazing and maybe didn't work out because there's incredible insight and learning in that. So one of the interviews that I did that I liked a lot was with Todd Dunn. Todd is the vice president of innovation at Intermountain, or at, he was at Intermountain, now he's at Atrium Health. And Todd is just really pragmatic and operationally focused with how he thinks about innovation. He describes it as an operating system, a repeatable practice that you can harness and make it a reliable business process in any organization. And I just, I loved kind of picking his brain, thinking through how do we take innovation from the job of a few and kind of these moonshot type events to the responsibility of everybody and the idea that innovation can be something that anyone in the organization can contribute and be a part of. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fantastic insight from a couple different levels. One, it's amazing when I talk to people and they're thinking about doing the town hall show and they're like, I, I don't, I don't know 10 people I can call to, to get on the show. I'm curious what, what the rest of you have found. I mean, when I started this, I thought, man, I'm going to do this once a week for 52 weeks. I don't even have 52 friends. Who am I going to send the emails to? And almost everyone I sent the email to said, yes. Some of you, I didn't know before I started doing the podcast. I sent the email. You said, yeah, sure. I'll come on. And we had great conversations. How about the rest of you? Is that what you found? Was it a challenge to get some people on the show? I just chime in there. That actually was not one of my concern, Bill, and I shared that with you in our initial conversations, because in my perspective of the reason why I wanted to be a contributing host is I wanted to highlight a wide spectrum of leaders, not only those at the executive ranks, but leaders who are at the very front line of executing on the plans, right? And there are more of them, and they're likely to share their everyday challenges and how they overcome them. And I find that when I reach out to those individuals in my network, they are more than willing to have conversations with me. And it's more so a laid back conversation about their authentic experience and in their role at the space of intersection of healthcare and technology. Uh, that's fantastic. Carla? I was gonna say the same thing. It's been easier than what I thought. For me, initially, what I, my thought process was, well, I already have a good group of executives or technologists here in Colorado. And even there, it's like 25 people that, you know, that, that we talk every quarter and we talk about things that we're doing. And for me, it was like, well, that's a start. And when I presented to the team, everybody's very willing to converse and, and share what they're doing and collaborate. Because at the end of the day, I believe that all of us in different stages or places, we're facing the same challenges. Yeah. And it's very important that we share those initiatives or challenges or approaches that we're taking with people. So we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And everybody's very willing to do that. I believe that after COVID, people became very collaborative and, they're, and they really want to help. We want to help each other. And so that's what I found out about the team. It's like everybody that I talked to, even the people that I just recently met, I was like, oh my God, you'll be fantastic for the town hall. And I explain what it is. They're like, absolutely, sign me up. So, yeah. yeah. You did a you did a really cool interview on sustainability, healthcare IT sustainability. Uh, talk a little bit about that episode. 
So Andy Draper, he is CIO of Continental and he's taking a very completely different approach. He's extremely passionate about climate and sustainability and climate change. And so being in the industry, we started doing some research on what are health organizations doing for this specific matter. So he did some research and he shared some of the statistics about the, the contribution of healthcare as a whole to the environment. And it's huge, right? And so he talked about the footprint about healthcare facilities and some of the things that we can do as CIOs to start making a change. And it starts with just asking those questions to our vendor in terms of what is their carbon zero plan and just, just again, start engaging them. Be intentional about them having a plan, if not now, for the future. And so it's a very, I'm not going to say new topic, but it's newish in the industry. And I was very excited to hear that Andy is taking that, that approach and start creating awareness and asking those questions and then asking us as well, what are we doing to support that initiative? I think that's going to be one of the main themes probably going into the next, let's just say five years. I think individual health systems have had sustainability initiatives, but I think more and more you're going to hear IT leaders step out and uh, take a leadership role in there. In fact, Lee, you, I, and Reed were in a room where uh, Michael Pfeffer from Stanford shared their sustainability initiative. And he had everybody on the edge of their seat, like sharing statistics and the things that they were doing. And, and actually it was sort of a a call to action for all the CIOs saying, hey, what are you doing? And a bunch of them were looking at him, not not doing anything yet. Don't don't know. So I love the fact that you did that interview. I'm glad it's gotten out there and glad it's part of the community. Let's see. We got some doctors here. Dr. Weissman coming to us from California. It's interesting. The background. So you guys choose the backgrounds that you're going to have. I have, I have the uh, Einstein picture over my shoulder. Reed, you have John Wayne over your shoulder. I don't know. That's uh, Wife chooses my background. I don't have a choice of what my yeah, background. Exactly. You've, you've got the you've got the little clock, and the, yeah, it, it looks, looks it looks great. It looks it looks really nice. Uh, so, Mark, what about you? I mean, you you came to us with a bunch of experience. I mean, you did the CMIO podcast for a couple of years. What's it like getting back behind the microphone and making those calls again now from the CIO role? I found that the podcast still helps educate me. And so if I have a question about something, I was going to reach out to an expert and say, hey, can you educate me? Oh, by the way, I'm going to record it. That's all. That's the only difference. <laughs> and so I found it relatively easy that my the people I connect with tend to feel the same mission of, I want to give back. I want to help educate that next group about what they've experienced, what mistakes they've had. And the interviews that I did, I did one with Dr. Cullen from Dr. First. Thank you. Thank you. We were talking about interoperability and the ability to just something as simple as, hey, let's get the medications right when we're doing an admission and how much trouble we still have. I talked about that years ago on CMIO podcast. We still have those same problems. It's still like healthcare moves so slowly sometimes, even though there's this great desire to get it done right. It's hard. And I don't know that everyone always appreciates the difficulties. And yeah, there's, there's, vendors in this space, but it's still hard. It's still hard for the end users to get this stuff right. I agree with that. Coming back to backgrounds, Carla, your background keeps changing because you have an open window and people just keep walking past them. I'm, I'm waiting to see what's what's going on in your background. It's always fun. Sushade, you've got Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We've, we've highlighted that on the show several times. Talk about your experience. Talk about some of the people you've been able to get in front of. 
Sure, sure. I just want to comment on what some of the other hosts have said at this point about the authenticity and educating. And all of our colleagues always open to sharing and learning from one another. I think that's so true. And I think that's a lot of what's behind this channel, right? In terms of the town hall. The approach that I've taken is come up with a list of people that I know well, that I think would have something to contribute, and then kind of figure out what's their angle. I interviewed Keisha Hortman Hawthorne at CHOP. She was the CIO previously, and she's moved into a COO role of ambulatory in some of the clinical operations. And when I thought of talking to her, I knew her a little bit from my work when I was at Boston Children's Hospital, got to know her as another pediatric hospital CIO then. It's like, what's the angle? And the angle with her is, wow, that's a journey. You move out of the CIO role into some senior leadership executive role within the organization. What's your advice? So that was a great interview. When I talked to John Glasser, who is wonderful, easy to talk to, we could talk all day about all sorts of things. I had a couple angles with him in terms of looking back at 30 years of Chime and the CIO role. And if you were at the Chime Fall Forum, anybody on this show or, or listeners, you heard John in the past, present, future panel on Wednesday morning. I want to talk to him about that. I want to talk about his view on technology advances and what's coming yet. I wanted to hear more about AI because he's just published a book on AI. And I wanted to talk about small R retirement, which he and I had talked about this summer when we saw each other. So it's like, find that angle. What do we want to talk about? To that point, I just want to throw something back at you, Bill, if I can. And maybe this is inside, inside town hall. When I have maybe four questions and an angle that I want to talk about with a guest, it's always interesting when you and your wonderful production team come back with not just the full episode, but the two clips that you pick out to promote it. What's your basis for finding those kernels? Like with John, we cover all sorts of stuff, but I think one of the promotion clips was the small R retirement which must yeah. have struck a chord or not with your young staff, but uh, you know, anyways, I'm curious as to how you decide what those kernels are. It's interesting when the team came together, I used to, they'd pick out the ones and then I'd go back and say, no, it's not that one. It's this one. Because early on, what I would do is I'd actually pick them and I'm like, well, they'll never learn. And so now they pick them mm-hmm. and it's when they pick them from time to time, I look at them and go, you know what? It's interesting that that resonates with them. And generally, the things that resonate with them resonate with people out in the community. So, and I thought his thoughts on retirement were exceptional for anyone. I mean, it was, this is a guy who was planning for retirement well before retirement. And he started teaching because he knew he wanted to teach. He started writing because he knew he wanted to write. And so many people, I'm like, hey, what are you going to do with your retirement? They're like, oh, no, I'll figure it out when I get there. I'm like, that's a bad plan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So that was, that was exceptional. I did get the opportunity to interview him at the Chime Fall Forum. We're going to be airing that soon. And 15 minutes is not long enough to no. talk to that man. <laughs> he just has such great yeah. experience. And I, one of the things I took from him and I've been sharing lately is he goes in our lifetime. And I think all of us on the show in our lifetime, we've seen multiple big changes. One is the PC coming into the world essentially. Then we saw the internet come into the world and really start to get adopted. And then we saw mobile, really mobile phones. 
you guys don't remember this. My father just got his first mobile phone. Up until then, he was still using the one on the wall, the one with the little numbers and the rotary thing. He was still using that. But we saw those three changes. And each one of those was a massive change in how we live in our industry and whatnot. And it's interesting. I, actually, I'll throw this out for each of you. If those were the first three, PC, internet, and mobile, what's the next one? If you think, what's the next one that's going to have a material impact in the next decade? I'll just go across the screen here, what I'm looking at. Mark Weissman. Yeah, I, I think the voice interaction and how we act with the, the user interface to the technology will be the next big big change that we experience. More natural interaction. Carla, what about you? I'm going to go with, how would you call that? What is kind of like a, like instead of having like an actual screen, you have like a virtual screen that you can manipulate data. You know what I'm I, talking about? I mean, you guys are both talking about the experience, which is really interesting to me and how we interact with technology. Interaction with technology will become more natural. So you have potentially what you're talking about is augmented reality and mm -hmm virtual reality and mixed reality. I mean, there's the potential for that. And then there's also some other stuff. That it's, and definitely uh, virtual reality. I can see that playing a big role. Reed, how about you? Yeah, I think about intelligent automation and not like little one-off kind of automation or augmentation plays, but like at scale. And I think that we're at this, and it's not even a moment, it's just the next reality of healthcare where organizations that don't figure that out, viability is going to be at risk. And that's a combination of technologies, really. I mean, it's yeah. it could be computer vision, could be ways that the data gets in there, but it's also how it gets processed with AI, machine learning, and other things. Sue, what about you? Yeah, I think AI. I think I think AI has kind of been slow in healthcare, and I think because we didn't fully understand it and what it meant. But I think when you look at it, there's great potential, and it's in other industries more intensely at this point, And I think we don't even realize it. So I see that coming. I guess the other thing I would say, just in terms of a, a trend, and I'm not sure it fits in what you're trying to get at here, but healthcare in the home, hospital at home, and all the variations on that, I think we're just going to really see that take off in the coming years. Yep, absolutely. Linda, how about you? Yeah, I think I agree with all of the themes here, really AI in healthcare. We've seen that in the past few years, but that's going to be more robust. And I believe it'll be more implemented within the platforms that are currently used. And obviously also virtual and augmented reality. And I had a previous conversation with, with Mark where he attended a conference recently, Mark, where you said an organization is looking to onboard using augmented reality. Absolutely. Dr. Milligan, last but never least. Yeah, I agree with what Sue said around AI. And in my world, I really kind of break it into two different buckets. The first bucket is how can we, there's a little bit about what Reed was saying as well around automation. How can we build this technology so that it can equal what humans are currently doing in this space? And that's going to help us from an efficiency standpoint to be able to essentially afford our budgets as we continue to support the operations. But then the next level is going to be, how does it go beyond that? In the world I'm in right now around imaging, we are currently using AI around a number of different imaging scenarios, up to and including actually reading x-rays right now. And we're measuring currently how the sensitivity, specificity, positive predictive value, and negative predictive value compares to humans. And it's really helping us get reports back to folks 
faster than we were before. We just looked at our days and they came down. And it, this is big for me because I was not a big fan of a, a prior well-marketed AI product that I won't name because I thought it was not doing what it said it was doing. But this is the first time I'm actually seeing it have a tangible impact on business operations and the patient. And it's pretty exciting. Fantastic. I do want to throw something out there, Bill, because we're talking about technology and PCs. And for those of you that want to chime, you guys saw Sophia, right? The humanoid. Yes. For the first time. So I was just thinking when I was just sitting there at that moment, this is the first, well, I mean, it was the first time for me to see a humanoid. And I know there were some technical difficulties, but then thinking like, I don't know, we're sitting back there in that room or in a similar room 10 years from now, how is that going to look like, right? And then 15, is, and then we're going to look back and say, remember that time when we saw Sophia for the first time? Yep. Sophia struggled a little bit on stage, a little stage fright for Sophia, I think. A friend of mine once said, Bill, you have a lot of opinions. And that person is absolutely right. I do have a lot of opinions, but I believe everybody on this show and everybody listening to this show will be in virtual reality or augmented or mixed reality within the next five years on this show, probably within the next three years. And it will fundamentally change how we interact with technology within the next five. It will transform education first, entertainment. It will transform these Zoom calls more than anything else that's going on. And how we interact uh, will be completely different. In fact, I have my my headgear right here. And uh, every time I put it on somebody, I say, okay, try this out and tell me what your thoughts are. They just look at me and go, oh my gosh. And that's everybody's reaction is just like, I, I can't believe it. It really feels like you are there. And so when we can transport people with just a headset to actually being there, taking a tour of King Tut's tomb or Auschwitz, the example I've been using has a lot more meaning than saying, hey, today we're going to read chapter five in the book and learn about the Holocaust. Yeah. It's a very different experience. So I think it's going to start with education. But we've already interviewed some people who are utilizing it in, in healthcare settings because your, your brain does not know the difference from what you're seeing in virtual reality. There's this example where you go up to the top of an elevator on top of a building and you're asked to step off and to step off, you'd actually step off the building and your brain won't let you do it. Even though you're standing on the ground, but in virtual reality, your brain is processing those signals as, no, no, I'm at the top of this building. I can't do it. Lee, I want to come back to you. Interviews you've done this year and what you've gotten out of it. I didn't quite approach it the way Sue did. I, I like Sue's approach where she kind of, you know, first identified a finite list of individuals, and then she applied an angle to each of those to have a theme for each. Mine was more about who's available. And <laughs> very <laughs> pragmatic. Yeah. And I actually started with my, my frontline staff, or at least frontline leaders, to really understand their world a little bit. I started with uh, Allison Graffis, who is in charge of training. I mean, this is an area that gets ignored quite a bit, you know, and there's that huge delta, right, between what we build out technologically and what the average end user actually utilizes on a daily basis. And that delta is really the amount of inefficiency that we're building out in the system. And she talked all about the programs they're putting in place right now to help kind of shrink that delta, as it were. And then I spoke to Mark Stockwell, who's in charge of a bunch of different stuff, but he was our, our data analytics and data governance individual. He's also now in charge of integration and actually our biomedical engineering team 
And a lot more CIOs are now taking over biomedical engineering. So I felt that that would be an important one. But the one that I was most excited about was actually to speak to Kyle Gibson, who does sales for AGFA. And the theme on that one was how do we get CIOs and vendors to be able to interact in a really healthy way? Just thinking through the pandemic and COVID, there was this cadence that was obviously in place. Started with my my LinkedIn profile getting hammered with folks who would ask to ask to connect with me and then send me this long diatribe of why their product was perfect for my scenario, followed by kind of random visits and emails and voicemails and whatnot. We had an honest conversation about, hey, that doesn't work. And through the pandemic, we're pretty clear that things needed to change. So what are some of the things that would work for a relationship and to be able to, in a healthy fashion, interact? So at the end of the day, they can sell to folks who actually need their products and I can spend my time with folks who are actually solving my problems. Yeah, that is an interesting topic. When we went virtual, that whole come into the office, see the team, maybe take somebody out to lunch, that whole thing just went went by the wayside. Mm-hmm. And it was not as easy to have those conversations. But that was their tools, right? They had tools in their toolbox and all of a sudden COVID snatched away all of their tools. They were still responsible for their sales goals, et cetera, and yet they had no tools to work with. So it made it, it made it interesting because some responded in a way of kind of developing relationships and not pressing for, for a sale, but rather trying to get to understand and know their client and others doubled down on a more aggressive approach. And so I think coming out of that, there was an evolution of a better way to do it. Who was successful of those two? For me, it was definitely those who built the relationship. Mm-hmm. Bill, that's that's what you preach, right? It, it is. It's so, so funny because I deal with a lot of marketing teams now and they're like, well, we, we need to do webinars. We need to do this. We need to do this to reach people. I'm like, I don't think so. I think what you need is you need to figure out a way to develop relationships with people and have honest conversations about what's your problem. And if you can't solve any of the problems they have, don't yeah. bug them. They're busy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's very, it's very interesting. I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to throw out some interviews, either that you're planning for next year, or you can actually pick somebody else who's on the panel here and say, I'd like to see them interview a certain person. You can even throw me into that mix if you want, potentially interview next year or someone that you would like somebody else to interview. Sue, I'll start with you since you're the picture on my screen. I've interviewed most of the people that I had on my original list, I got a few more people to follow up on, but I did think of a new one recently. Kara Babachikos, if I'm saying her name right, I should, because I worked with her back at Partners before Mass General Brigham. She's she's announced as of this week that she's leaving South Shore Hospital, where she's been CIO for the last six years, and she's going to be the CIO at InnovAge. InnovAge is focused on senior care in the home. And Kara's been passionate for a long time about that whole space, having been responsible for home care for a long time when we worked together at Partners. So she doesn't know it yet, but I was, I was going to ask her once she gets settled in her new role, if we can't talk. And obviously that's my angle is just where things are going in terms of it, home care. So home care, is that one of the areas? Are there other areas you want to explore? That I've thought of so far? No. So now you just put me on the spot. It's like on my to-do list. Think of more people to interview. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes I do it by topic. So yeah. I want to do I want to do more on virtual reality. So I reached out to a person who started metaversities. And I've never heard of metaversities, but I reached out and said, you want to do an interview? And he said, mm -hmm. sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And they've partnered with 11 universities and taken their uh, mm -hmm. campus experience and turned it into essentially a virtual reality experience. Sometimes I do topics. Sometimes it's just people. I'm like, hey, I haven't talked to anybody from fill in the blank health system and start start reaching out and saying, I'd like to hear what's going on at, at that health system. In healthcare now, we are all struggling with our finances. And so if we need to hear from some CFOs about how CIOs can right. impact that bottom line, we know we can cut. We Well, we've already cut. We know that you, you can strip down as lean as you can get and reduce applications and all that. But what can we do to help generate revenue? And there's significant ways that we can apply technology to help grow the business. It would be great to get some CFOs on. And I'm, I'm reaching out to a few, but I know you've got your friend, Rob, who I believe was a CFO at is it UPMC. Yeah, Rob Dimitri. Yeah. Yeah. It would be great to, we, and we need to keep hearing that as CIOs in terms of what's, because the finances of the business is, is all that my senior team wants to hear about and rightfully so. Yeah, it's a very much of a hot topic right now for sure. Let's see, L Linda, where are you going to go next year? Is there a topic or focus? Where are you going to go? Yeah, well, experience is healthcare analytics. So my goal is really to reach out to many of the healthcare analytics leaders, CDOs, leaders who are making an impact in, across the, the, the technology space. Something that has come to mind is really value-based care and health equity. Those are some hot topics in our realm right now. So I am working on some contacts to potentially bring them on as guests. Something fun is I've reached out to the CIO at Banfield Hospital. It's a pet healthcare, but we all have pets and there, there are families, right? And so I'm looking to bring him on later on this year and it'll be a fun conversation. Linda, side note, I've talked to two people that have left the healthcare industry and gone into veterinary. One was like a GE salesperson and they're like, I'm loving life. I'm now selling to vets and it's, it's so much, when I go see them, I see dogs. This is just a great, it's like, <laughs> it's just a great job. They just did a much better mental state. It's really interesting. Carla, how about you? I was just trying to think because I really have not put my plan together. My next interview actually, and it's not necessarily related to a healthcare topic, but I'm going to interview McFartland, which is CIO of HEA. And she has right now, and I'm very passionate about, again, development, guys. This is one of the things that I absolutely love. And she's obviously the, the chair of the women of IT League in time. And so she's doing a ton of work in relation to developing that group of like women and what are we doing to support them. And so kind of want to have a conversation and what can we do, you know, as a whole and some of the things that she's doing and and how did, did all this start it, right? And I had this conversation with Sue when she was back in time, when it was like, I don't know, maybe five women <laughs> and all men. And now it's like a lot more than that, right? And so how everything has shifted and we're seeing that increase in, in women in those executive roles. So that was going to be my next interview. And then after that, we'll see. I mean, there's just so much I can wait to see 
what is going to be the next thing in healthcare. I mean, obviously we're talking about, we keep, we keep talking about data, such a broad topic and sort of digital transformation. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Sue, were there really five or is that a high number? No, I or- didn't say five and it was more than five. <laughs> no, I no, said what five, I- but it was like very few. Yeah. yeah, it was a small number. And I told the number of women after the very successful Chime League of Women, I think I'm getting the name right, sessions that were kind of standing room only that I was just really encouraged to see that and the topics and who was there because there was a point in time, probably in the late 2000s, where a small group of us who were CIO females in Chime talked about, should we do something or not? And the sentiment then was blend. No, don't call attention, blend. And I'm encouraged to see what's happening now. Let's just <laughs> I, say that. <laughs> you, you know what I, I, I love is there's an opportunity here. And the opportunity here is you guys can do interviews that I can't do. Yeah. And you can do better interviews than I can do. We have physicians on here that are doing interviews. And I think that's fantastic. People in active roles that can talk to people about real world problems that are going on. You guys can address health equities. There's things that you can address better than I could ever address. And that's one of the things I'm hopeful on this channel. So if somebody's listening to this saying, hey, I could do some of these things, reach out. We can we can definitely talk. Hey, Bill, one of the things you asked for was if we wanted to see somebody else interview someone. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Mark on the spot. So many of you may not know, but Mark and I went to the same medical school and uh-huh. we're in the same graduating class. So wow. who knew that GW would be a medical school would be pumping out CIOs? Not, <laughs> Not them. <laughs> but, but Mark, maybe, uh, maybe interview Vanila, Vanila Mathur. She's now Vanila Singh. She works for HHS and she was assistant CMO for HHS. Might be interesting to connect with her and see what her perspective is nowadays. Is that a graduate from GW as well? Yes. Wow. Yes. Amazing. This has been a great conversation. I've got I've got my list of new ideas. I don't know if I'm going to share them yet, but I have some new ideas from this one. That's good. Thank you for asking us. Lee, you've taken on a role that's taking up a lot more of your time. What are you thinking for next year? Yeah, I really want to focus on the initial conversation we had around artificial intelligence. So I'm dealing with a lot of folks who are doing great research in this space and then trying to directly apply it to the imaging space. I work in the imaging space now, and I really want to better understand kind of what the future may look like around those two buckets I was talking about. So I'll be looking to interact with folks who are actually doing the research or leading the business element of it, or on my side, those who are attempting to implement that AI as it relates to healthcare. And and Lee is going to be our our guinea pig in our first reporter to go to RSNA. So he's going to go, he's going to RSNA. I'm not going, he's going to do a couple of podcasts while he's there and we will see, we'll see how it goes. And if it goes well, if you guys want to take a crack at it next year, by all means, we just got back from the health conference. It was fantastic to uh, see people and have those conversations and hear the things that are going on. I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you for a great inaugural year. I'm excited where this is going. I think it's going to outpace our other two channels in no time, to be honest with you. I think next year uh, or the following year, we will see this channel uh, outpace the other two channels that we have because there's just such great content, such great conversations going on. So, uh, and I think that's a testament to y'all and the people that you're having on the show. So 
thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to 2023 and seeing what it brings. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Town Hall is one of my favorite shows, not only that we produce, but also it's becoming one of my favorite shows to listen to in the podcast community. And it's because I love hearing from people on the front lines. I love hearing from these leaders and just the great experiences and the work that's being done. And we want to thank our hosts who continue to support the community by developing the great content. We also want to thank our listeners who have been a part of this for five years and really supported our show. And we hope that we are serving you because that is our goal is to serve you in your roles. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, just go ahead and shoot me a note, bill at thisweekhealth.com. If you're learning stuff from the channel, please share it with a peer, share it with somebody around you. We would love to expand the number of people that we are sharing this great content with. We want to thank our keynote sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Those are Sirius Healthcare, VMware, Transparent, Presgany, Sempris, and Veritas. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.